Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. I am so privileged today to have Perry Marshall on the show. Perry, welcome. It's good to be here and glad to be talking to you. And uh, I really like the stuff that you're serving up today. So it'll be a good conversation. It definitely will be. So you have an incredible history, reputation, accomplishments. Before we dive into how you got there, can you just tell me of all the things you've done over the past number of years in business, what's your favorite? What's your favorite? The one that you look back on and you're like, you know, that of all the highlights, that was the highest light. Um, well, one of them would certainly be uh, a little under two years ago. Um, I was asked to come give a presentation at the Royal Society of Great Britain, which is the oldest science organization in the world. And, um, and it was like, wow, how does an electrical engineer from the University of Nebraska Cornhuskers end up at the Royal Society in Great Britain? And um, well, so uh, that's kind of one of those, I still pinch myself. Like, how did that happen? So um, that, you know, and sometimes in your life, these like little uh, kisses from God, I guess I, I would call them, they show up. And, um, and, and also, like, I think there, there's, a, there's a certain way in which no matter how bad of a day you're having today, if today is a bad day, that you need to have a collection of those stored up that you can kind of go back to, right? It's not like dwelling in the past, but it's like, you know, nobody can take that away from me. I mean, maybe it's like the birth of your baby or maybe it's, you know, um, it doesn't have to be something extraordinary like that. Um, but, you know, most of us, uh, pretty much everybody's had some kind of an extraordinary experience in their life. And, and I just, I think it's it's way too easy to get like um, like spinning around in a whirlwind about how things are, and and you kind of forget. It's like no, like that really did happen, and like good days can come back again. And I, I think you use those things to build your confidence and and your faith in uh, the goodness of things. I love that. I actually got from a mentor of mine to create what he called a magic moments list. Mm. And it's those moments that every time they just make you smile. Mm -hmm. They're moments of life. And sometimes they're big and sometimes they're small. Like I added to my list recently, I had like watched a video with all my kids and then they really liked one of the songs. So we just played it over and over and over. And we were dancing around the living room to the song. And it was just Every, you could see the smile on my face. Every time I think about it, it just makes me smile. And those are highlight moments. Yes. I love that. Yes. Yes. 
Absolutely love that. So now break it down for me. How did an electrical engineer from the University of Nebraska end up at the Royal Society of Great Britain and all the other things you've done? Uh, well, it's, it's because it starts with my, I went to China to see my younger brother um, in about 17 years ago. And he, at the time, was an English teacher doing missionary work. He had gotten a master's degree in theology. And instead of becoming a pastor, which was what he planned on doing, that didn't really work out. He ended up in China. And so he's working at this hotel. He's teaching English. And then um, four years into working at this hotel, um, I, I, I go to China and he's like, you know, Perry, I don't really believe this Christianity stuff anymore. Uh, <laughs> That's always good yeah. for a missionary to, to get to. Yeah. And we're both pastor's kids. And I found this rather alarming. And now I, I, I saw it coming, but I, I didn't realize he was that far. It was like I had to get there in person to kind of figure out. And, um, and so we got into this argument. And I go, Brian, 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 Brian. I said, look at the hand at the end of your arm. I said, this is a nice piece of engineering. I said, you don't think this is an accumulation of random accidents, do you? And he's like, hold on. And he just comes right back with this kind of Darwinian evolution thing. And, you know, I had never really given that a lot of deep thought. And uh, I was already, like the conversation was already not going very well. And I thought to myself, okay, um, first of all, you're, you're visiting your brother halfway around the world and this is kind of like a vacation and you guys are not having fun. <laughs> and I don't think we're gonna solve this today. And you know what? there's a lot of biologists that might agree with him and not you. You know what, Perry, why don't you just like put this whole thing to the side and go figure this out when you get home? And, and I, right then at that moment, I thought, all right, I'm going to let science decide this for me. And when I get back home, I am going to use my obsessive compulsive entrepreneurial you know, curiosity thing, and I'm going to go figure this out. And that is how this all began. And uh, fast forward, 10 years later, I published a book called Evolution 2.0. And a while after that, I launched the largest fundamental science research prize in the world, which is called the Evolution 2.0 prize. Because what I found out was, when you ask questions like, well, where did life on earth come from? You know what the answer is? Nobody. Nobody knows. knows. Right. That, that is always the answer. No <laughs> one has a clue. And every time people have a comment, like, so you think you know the answer? I said, no. The only answer I know is that nobody knows the answer. I'm not more wrong or more right than anybody else. Well, that, that's exactly it. And, and, and what, I, what I came to on this was you have, so... I think everybody in the last few years has become much more aware 
of how the world is driven by somebody on the right and somebody on the left is having this big giant fist fight over the head <laughs> of everybody else. Yeah. Ping pong, go back and forth, <laughs> right? And yeah. it really accelerated a lot, as we all know, with social media and stuff. And and what I what I realized was you had the happy chemical accident people, warm, like warm pond, lucky lightning strike or whatever, <laughs> against the God did it, that settles it, no more questions, like that. Right. And I, I was like, you know what? Neither one of these approaches is really... There's no logic in either of them. There's no, if you look deeper into either of those extremes, no logical mind makes sense of it. There's so much dogma on both. I think in all extremist ideologies, there is so much dogma. You're in, you're in, you're out, you're out. But when you try to think about it, it just, it doesn't, no, nothing stands up. Right. And, and so, and so I, I, I realized we, we have to like reframe this whole thing to get down to actual answers. And I'm, I'm an engineer and I understand as well as anybody, a scientist cannot publish a paper and say, God did it. That's the answer. Let's go out for three martini lunch. Like, <laughs> and, and I believe in God. Like I, it doesn't take anything away from God for us to figure out how the world works. Right. And, yeah, and it's like what I, what I figured out was neither one of these left or right extremes wants to figure out how the world works. They have a dogma and they're just going to defend it. Like, and, and, and so, and so now this, I'm like, I'm compressing years of my life down to a couple minutes here, but, but I, I, what I figured out was if, if I assign money to this, it silences the extremes and it brings the real conversation to the surface. And it, and it actually opens up like this very deep rabbit hole of things that you can go explore. And so I, I would, the, I, I believe the, the reason I got invited to the Royal Society, it has something to do with the fact that um, the guy who invited me, Dennis Noble, heard me on a podcast telling my story. Uh, now, we, we had been introduced by somebody, but he had never heard my story, and somebody he knew really well, like, pulled it out of me. And it was like where I grew up and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And he was like, you know, <laughs> Harry is probably the only guy I know who grew up believing the world is 6,000 years old and would be able to speak to that corner of the world. Um, and so, again, I'm like skipping a lot of details here, but this has actually been ridiculously fascinating and it has gotten me into... I mean, I, I'm now part of a cancer and evolution group with people from Harvard, Oxford, MIT, MD Anderson, Johns Hopkins, Yale, um, and uh, like the, the the rocks that we are turning over are just unbelievable. Like, 
I don't know how geeky you want to get on your podcast because I could like go down all. And of I'm a super geek, but there's so many others. I want to know how this blends with your Facebook stuff, with all your other entrepreneurial stuff, like where you got the money for this. Was it your own? For like, this is just like one microcosm, and we could go down this whole rabbit hole. But I think we're gonna miss so much more of you and your story and what you do. Uh, we might have to have you back to go down this rabbit hole. But give me there were where were all the other pieces? Well, so. So that story I told you um, really like flipped the engineer switch. I, I, I studied engineering school, but I went, went uh, about three years after school. I had worked as an engineer for three years. I got laid off my job and my wife was three months pregnant. And the, the plan was for her to stay home, be full-time mom. I'm like, well, you better hustle your buns, buddy. And <laughs> as it was, uh, it was already not even looking like we were going to have enough money for her to stay home. And, and I wasn't too happy about that. So I made a leap from engineering into sales because I knew I at least had a shot at making better income in sales than I ever could as an engineer which is entirely true as probably anybody knows, but like you got to survive the two years of bologna sandwiches and ramen soup and baked potatoes and salsa and whatever other cheap nutritional uh, options that you can cook up. And um, by the way, baked potatoes, salsa in a microwave, that's like a really cheap way to live for weeks at a time. So. <laughs> So, um, so I made that leap, but it was brutal. And uh, like every deal that I worked in on, it, it fell through. And uh, I ended up getting fired from that job. But about, I don't know, six months before I got fired from that job, I discovered direct marketing. I wandered into a seminar where Dan Kennedy was speaking. And I found out that there's this whole world See, I would, I would call direct marketing the engineer's version of sales and marketing. It's like, it's logical and it goes in steps and like, you know, what on the internet, like, well, first they click on the Facebook ad and then they go to the landing page and then they sign up and then they go to the webinar and like, and you go through all these things and it's like, you could diagram it in one of your engineering classes. It's like, you know, how, what's the product? It's scientific. It's scientific. Yeah. It has, whereas other sales, it's almost like, you know, you're throwing spaghetti at the wall. You're like, you're making calls. You're hoping to hit a gold mine, get that rapport with just the right person, just the right time, just the right this. This becomes scientific. You've got numbers. That's why I love it. Also, I'm, I'm a data geek, right? You've got numbers, you've got data. It's trackable. There are patterns, there are algorithms. There's, there's, there's science. That is science. Yeah. And, and that, that, okay, just sling mud against the wall. It's a numbers game thing. Uh-uh. I almost, I mean, I almost had a nervous breakdown trying to do that, right? And so I come into this other world and they're like, they slice it and they dice it, just like you said, Esty. And, and so um, like this makes sense. And so um, I, I got fired like the week of Thanksgiving and I managed to get another job offer before anybody even found out that I had gotten fired from the previous job and the, then the, like the Monday after Thanksgiving, I just kind of segued into the new job. Whew. 
Wow. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to answer those interviews. So why did you leave that previous job, Harry? What happened? You don't have to answer those questions. It's amazing. Right, right. And 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 so and so they this company had a website. And nobody explicitly told me that direct mail and a website are like almost the same thing. But I connected the dots. I'm like, you know, these Dan Kennedy newsletters and stuff, like if we just do this on the internet, like, okay, we're generating leads, we're offering them the stuff, we're going to send them this packet, they fill out this form, I email them back, I call them back, and like all of a sudden, instead of chasing people around, which was miserable, like, oh yeah, you know, I got this engineer from Toledo, Ohio, and he wants to stick this thing on his way scale, and like, can you explain how your interface card works? And all this is like, people want to talk to me. And I, I literally, probably for the next year, I was uncrumpling from all of the rejection and refusal and, and everything like that. And, and I got, well, so long story short, four years later, that company got sold for $18 million. I got some stock option money out of it. We grew the product business 20X and it was great. And I thought, wow, what if I actually got good at this? And, and then like, then I was really serious. And you, you know what makes you really, really, really serious is you hang out your shingle and you have a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> That'll and, do and it. I'm like doggone serious. And I was like, all right, so I am like, I'm in the I'm in the discussion boards and I am reading every single thing and I am like, you know, and like my brain is like a sponge and and you know, I'm probably for for the next five years I was just like hair on fire. I love it. And and so and this so you got you got all into Facebook specifically. Like that's your well, Facebook was the second platform. The first one was Google. That's where it started for, where it started for me was six months after I hung out my shingle. And I'm trying to figure out where can I get some sales leads? How can I get traffic to my website? This is 2001. Okay, like the internet was still pretty much the wild west then. Post.com crash, by the way, right? So, <laughs> the dot, so like the optimism is kind of evaporated and we're all just like in this mosh pit. Yeah, I, re I remember that. I was I, I was in university then, but I, I remember because that was the job market that I graduated into. <laughs> yeah, and, and Google comes along and they weren't that famous yet. You know, there's the weird white search engine with no bling all over the place. And, totally. I, and it was like, wait, where's all the stuff? Like they were doing it all backwards. Every other site had covered in ads and news bites and clickbaits and Google's like, nope, just a search bar, maybe a little cartoon image. That's it. I liked Google and Google appealed to engineers because Google was built by engineers. And then they come up with this advertising system and the whole friggin' English language is for sale. I can bid <laughs> on plumber in Oak Park, Illinois, and I could bid on, you know, search engine optimization strategies or anything you could think of. And, and I started playing with that. And within about three days, I was like, oh my word, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen in my life. And like, I just, 
oh, I was just, I was like, I am not telling anybody about this. This is, this is unbelievable. Well, <laughs> so a year and a half later, um, one of my uh, colleagues said, Perry, I want you to speak at my seminar. And like that got, that got me into teaching traffic. And so then uh, 20, 2011, our Facebook book came out, right? And so, you know, Google and Facebook, it's like yin and yang. It's like, you know, uh, they're completely different, but they still kind of run on similar principles. And so, so yeah, so there's a Facebook book over my shoulder and there's also a Google book around here somewhere. So yeah, so that's, um, and oh, and, and I got to say, if you understand Google advertising or Facebook advertising, you actually understand evolution because they all work the exact same way. Well, so, so Facebook is like the yin to the Google yang and, you know, Google is like this lead sled and it's very, um, it's very hard to dial in, but once you get it dialed in, it'll just run and run and run. Whereas Facebook, it's like really easy to get going um, the first day or two, like you get, you'll get ads and all this kind of stuff. Um, uh, but, but then over, you have to keep like coming up with new stuff and coming up with new stuff. And so like, really we've, we've, uh, we teach integrated strategies where you're using the best of the different worlds. And generally speaking, the easiest foot in the door, if you're doing something new is Facebook, because you get rapid, rapid, rapid feedback and quick results. But eventually it's probably going to get tiresome to keep turning the hamster wheel. And, and so um so you yeah. move to google and google has so many places right because they've got their search ads and then they've got their email ads and they've got their um ad like visual placement ads I forgot what they're called right now display ads there we go yeah and there's so, so many options yeah so so you know each of these is like an entire world unto itself and uh yeah so you can uh, you know, you can get lost in it. You can develop an entire profession around it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's so like circling back to our earlier uh, stories. Um, if you understand Google or Facebook advertising, you've actually done it. You've made money with it. Like put $1 into the, you know, slot machine and get $2 out you actually understand evolution as well as most biologists because it is a precisely <laughs> Darwinian kind of a process that requires an, an incredible amount of ingenuity um, and resourcefulness. So, um, so uh, it's really a fascinating playground. And now with like with all of these tools and all these platforms, probably I would say most people's biggest trouble is where to focus because right. where to start, where to go next. Everybody is yelling at you about all of these things that you should do. And probably you should only be doing like three things, not 300. Max and everyone and their like dog walkers brother is a marketing expert. And they're gonna be like the genius that's gonna grow your business, launch it, take it to the next level. Their strategy is the best strategy. It's worked for everybody. Why haven't you tried it yet? And there are thousands of these people in each category. And so, yeah, people get really lost. 
Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?